Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sophie, and this is She's All Fat, the podcast for fat positivity, radical self-love, and chill vibes only. Welcome to Time Capsule Release Number 3, the episode I didn't want to release, but our producer Lynn says it's a good one, and she thinks she's right. A quick reminder that this episode is part of our Time Capsule season. It's a relationship mailbag that I recorded with my boyfriend, Victor, back in February of this year. Relationships and quarantine have been a hot topic in the months since. So before we dig up the Time Capsule, here's a quick update from Victor here in October. I don't think our relationship has changed a great deal in quarantine, but like everything else in quarantine, you know, there's an intensity and an intentionality to everything. Um, And I think that has allowed us to work on, you know, developing our skills, relationship skills and making sure that we're taking care of the needs of each other in a deliberate way. As far as maintaining intimacy with close contact all the time, I think the key to that is distance. I think we've been really good about being deliberate in having space alone, sort of respecting space alone. Um, You know, Sophie has spent a lot of time outside and, you know, it's nice to go outside and hang out outside a little bit, but I also try to give her space to do that. I try to give myself some space to break away and read when I can. And then, you know, that makes it better and easier and nice to sort of reconnect after that time. So I think having the ability to have some space from each other has been an important part in maintaining intimacy. But mainly it's just been nice to hang out so much. Um, Stay safe. I hope everyone is doing COVID adjusted well. And I'm sure I'll chat with y'all soon. Thanks, love bug. All right. Here's our time capsule mailbag. This is a mailbag. I think it's our first mailbag of the season. And by high request, meaning one person requested this. Who was it? I don't know. I don't remember their name. But this was an idea that a Hannah or an H submitted that my boyfriend Victor and I would do a relationship mailbag together. I hope you're happy. So we are about to do that. But before we get started, Victor, can we talk a little bit about who you are? I am myself. Stop leaning into the mic like that. <laughs> I will lean doing? into it if I want to. Stop being a weirdo. Just be normal. Be normal, Victor. I am normal. So how do we meet? We were original users of online dating. Mm-hmm. Okay, Cupid, 2013. Literally, when I started using OkCupid okay is when they invented Tinder. 
I never was on Tinder. I wasn't either because yeah. they invented it after I was already, and I was like, I don't want to do two. It's yeah. too much. Same. Um, but I just started Tinder. But yeah, so that's it's been a while. Mm-hmm. Been a while. Who does that song? Everything I can't remember. I don't know. It's been a while. Okay, so Victor and I've been together almost seven years. We live together. Six and a half. Almost seven. Almost seven. That's we're past. Aren't we past the six month mark? Six and a half. Yeah. Okay. Rounds down to six and a half. Oh my god. Okay. So we live together in Los Angeles. Victor's family, most of them, are in Phoenix. Phoenix, Arizona. Which is where we met. And my family is mostly here now. And we have a dog named Zora. We have two cats, Maggie and Josie, and a tortoise named Franklin. I just gave Sophia a very sharp look because she was going to forget Franklin. I I would not forget Franklin. Franklin is my first pet, and he'll be my last pet. That's true. So he's the most important to me, even though he is not very cuddly. He's not very cuddly. He's going to outlive us all, though. He's got a human-sized tongue. He's... It's weird. I don't trust him. He's a dinosaur. He's an old soul, and he's bigger than all of us. <laughs> okay. Um, Victor, can you talk a little bit about, like, what you do, what your hobbies are, what you're like? I am an apparatchik in <laughs> Victor. the state of California. What are you talking about? Uh, I work in bureaucracy for the state of California currently. Mm -hmm. Previously, I've done some campaign work, Mm -hmm. various campaigns at different levels in the state of California and Arizona. Mm -hmm. What do you like to do when we're at home? I have a garden. Mm -hmm. Just planted some carrots Mm -hmm. and an herb garden and some beans Mm -hmm. and tomatoes. We'll see if the tomatoes pop up. Yum. Um, Are they new kinds or are they the kinds from the tomato fair? No. Are those gone? Fucking tomato fair. Can I curse here? Yeah. So a couple years ago, we went to a very nice tomato festival. I took you there for At Descansco Descanso Gardens. Gardens. Yeah. In Pasadena. It's not in Pasadena. Isn't it's it? in uh, La Cunada. Oh, okay. Which is up close to where Jet Propulsion Laboratory is. Oh, okay. It was very nice. It was really nice because they had different varieties and they were all seedlings and that was awesome. <laughs> and we got some seedlings and we brought them back and they had blight in them. Oh, yeah. And if anyone's a gardener, they know that blight is the enemy of all good. <laughs> and this is the third year that I've been trying to remove blight from my soils. Okay, let's see what else you like. You like to cook? You I like, like to cook. You like to cook challenges? Uh, the harder, the better, as long as I can get the ingredients. We're a pretty good hosting team because I like to host and decorate and you like to cook and serve your food. I do take forever to cook. Though. You do. You're always like at least an hour late with the food. It's at good. least. It's good, though. It is always good. But that's why I could never be on MasterChef. That's true. Because Gordon would just yell at me. You'd fail all the time challenges, for sure. Uh, let's see what else. I'm trying to think of some quick facts or differences and stuff between us. I like YA fiction, and you like 800-page biographies. Mm. I mean, I do like a good biography. Don't get me wrong. I have three that I have on my shelf waiting to read because I have a problem with buying books, even though I'm in the middle of four books. You should get, use the library. What? You should use the library. No, I like supporting people and buying their books, but I don't have nearly the time that I want to to read, or at least I don't invest the time to read because that 
truth is that I could watch less Netflix and read. But you know what? What I do appreciate, though, is like a concise 300-page nonfiction piece about nuclear weapons in the 1960s or... Mm-hmm. you know, foreign policy or whatever. Okay, anyways, we have only a couple things we can watch together on Netflix because we have very different taste in TV. I like one kind of garbage and you like a different kind of garbage. For the record, I don't watch garbage. You watch a lot of bad political shows, I think. Like what? Like, I only watch one bad political show. Mm-hmm. It's Designated Survivor. Yeah, it's a bad political show. It's a great political show. But we have a couple crossover shows. We both liked The Good Place. We both liked Last Man on Earth. We both like Bob's Rest Burgers. Yeah, we both like Bob's Burgers. We also liked that other show Netflix canceled. Which one? The one with the zombies? With um, Reese Witherspoon's the wrong person. What's her name? What's her name? And um, like they have the head in the basement that talks. Oh, uh... Santa Clarita Diet. Yeah, Santa Clarita Diet. What's her name? Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore. That's it. I was about to try to do a bad impression of her. She like talks out of the side of her mouth. She's like, anyways. She does do that. Yeah. I hope you could hear that because I think she captured some of it. Thank you. And let's see what's some other stuff. Okay. Something I appreciate about you is that you are always down to help any friends or family with things that they need help with. And you are really good about that. And also I appreciate that I think one thing that works well about our partnership is that we are different in many ways that I think are very balancing. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I'd say that's true. Yeah. I like that you listen to my opinion and ask for it. And I like what? I didn't say anything. Oh, you made a face. I made no faces. Oh. I thought you made a face that was like, duh. And I was like, well, a lot of men don't do that. And well, maybe they should think about it is what I'm saying. They should. And also, I think you've been along most of the time through my journey. And when we met, I was like slightly into body positivity, but not really. And then I got more and more into it. And you've been like along for that whole ride and for founding the podcast. You edited the first couple episodes of the podcast after we... I believe it was episodes three through eight, Yeah, maybe? And you didn't know how to do any of that, so you just stayed up all night doing it kind of by sheer force of will. I did have a couple of 4 a.m. nights. Yeah, it was awful. You were very generous to do that. And... It also wasn't that great, so like... You did fine. It was fine. You did great. It was fine. And then... Nothing, nothing like the current producing team. Shout out to them. <laughs> and then you um, were also here for something a lot of the listeners also like to talk to me about, which is like me figuring out that I was bi and you were very supportive of me mm-hmm. through that. What do you want to say about our relationship before we get into some questions? It's good. It's a good relationship. <laughs> One of the differences between us is that my love languages are words of affirmation and physical touch, and yours, it, your top two are quality time and acts of service. And we deal with the balance of that a lot. You should take out the trash more. I take out the I took out the trash yesterday. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. did yes, I did. <laughs> you absolutely did not. Ugh, I did. Okay, so you're here to help me give some relationship advice. Are you ready to do that? Mm-hmm. And then we're gonna get Shake Shack, right? Sure. Okay. So, 
this person says, I know that enlightened fat women are tired of the record that plays why fat girls can't be loved, but I am still struggling to tune out that track. I don't date. Even though I very much have a sexual and romantic appetite, I have long adhered to the asexual funny fat girl trope as a means of self-preservation. I ventured out for a moment into the world of possibility and was hurt to find the first guy I went out with was a chubby chaser, a fat fetishizer, and I'm not okay with that form of objectification. I know that there is a balance of attraction that not all people find thinness attractive. I do, however, believe that the majority of people find our social expectation of a thin to average sized body attractive. How do I come to terms with the fact that the fatness of my body narrows my dating pool? That once I rule out women who I'm not attracted to, gay men who are not attracted to me, men who do not find fatness attractive or neutral, creeps, losers, and the guys who are not compatible with me based on morals, values, and interests, I'm left with what seems to be an impossibly small dating pool. The odds do not ever seem to be in my favor. Words of wisdom, please. In admiration, fat girl fumbling. Okay, well, number one, um, I don't think what you mean by average is actually what you mean by average. Like the actual quote unquote average or like mode or whatever it is of cis women in America is like a 16, 18 or something like that now, which is plus size. But first of all, this is an assumption because you didn't mention it in your letter. But if you're white, I think that this is also comparable to having like an understanding of the other intersections other people face. Like the same things are true, even more multiplied. If you're a woman of color, if you're a black woman, if you're a dark skinned black woman, the pool gets smaller. If you are someone who uses a wheelchair, if you're somebody who has different mobility issues, there's plenty of shitty people who are going to be shitty about that. Anybody and anybody has, except for if you are extremely like basic I guess <laughs> like very like wow, very this, privileged is this how you take care of your audience you call them basic my audience isn't basic but I don't think someone who's basic would be listening to this podcast is what I think unless you're like you know somebody who is just very kind of like thin and white and fits very Eurocentric beauty standards and doesn't have a lot of intersections of experience or marginalization, then you're going to be dealing with some kind of version of this. I think there's two aspects to it. Number one is the self-image part of it. And then number two is the outward part of it. So the self-image thing, I also made myself the asexual funny girl, like definitely did that. And I often wonder what my dating life before Victor would have been like if I had allowed myself to see myself as a romantic option, as a sexual option, as somebody who other people might have been attracted to. And I'll never know because you can't go back in time, but... That's true. There's no going back in time. You might be able to go forward in time, but... That's what we're doing right now. But the laws of physics state that you can't go back in time. Very helpful. Thank you. But, like, what if you are attractive and what if you are able to be romantic, you know? And it takes a little bit of scary curiosity to figure that out. Secondly, that does suck about being fearful and then having the first person who comes at you be someone who you feel fetishized by. I'm going to link in the show notes a piece by Kristen Chirico, who's a writer, and she writes about how her now husband, when they first started dating, she found out that he had only dated chubby or fat girls, and she felt really weird about it for a while. But then they, obviously, they ended up married. So like, you know, worked out. That's one perspective. And like, I found her perspective very challenging. So you might get something out of reading that. But I also really understand not wanting to date someone who you feel fetishized by. But also, I feel like it's like a hard line to walk because it's also like, 
you also don't need to necessarily feel like somebody is usually attracted to thin people and then you're the exception or something like that. But okay, so your question is, how do I come to terms with the fact that my body narrows my dating pool? I think a lot of people feel that way. I just think like one thing that helps me is also knowing that my uh, personality narrows the dating pool. (laughs) My intelligence narrows the dating pool. No comment. (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of good stuff. Like, even if you're not in a place where you're like, being fat is a good thing. There's a lot of like positive traits about you that probably also narrow the dating pool. Like maybe it would help to think about it less. Like it's not that there's fewer people compatible with you because there's all these things different. It's like you're choosy because you want to wait for someone who chooses you and who's respectful and smart and chill and nice and good. And it does suck sometimes to feel like, oh, like I'm not going to go to a bar and get hit on like all my thin friends. That does suck 100%. I hate that. But also, I don't really give a shit at this point. So hopefully you get to that space. I don't know. What do you think, babe? I think maybe the opposite situation is not great too. Yeah. Like having a lot of options and then you're like... You think that's not great? I think that's not great. Why? Because then you have like the tyranny of like too many things to choose from. Do you think it would be awful to have too many people like begging to date you? Yeah. I think that sounds great. Why? Fun. That people sounds like exhausting. you. People like you. you sounds want, exhausting. You think it would be awful to have too many people like you? Yeah. Have you ever been in that situation? No. <laughs> then how do you know? I just think it sounds exhausting. Well, all right. That's also, everyone I know does like me. That's what they say. Wow. Everyone that knows you has a has a crush on you and wants to date you. Except for my enemy from high school. Wow. Who I refused to name because I wouldn't do that to her. Wow. But we hated each other, even though we were part of the same friend group. Is that relevant to this podcast? No. Okay. You just felt like sharing? Okay. Um, but yeah, I feel you about the dating pool being small. Like, there's so many other intersections where it could also be small. And... There's plenty of people in the world. It's probably harder also if you don't live in a big city. Like living in LA or even having lived in Phoenix, it felt like there are a lot of people to meet. Like there are plenty of people to meet and go through before I felt that way. But I also know as we approach 30, a bunch of my friends are feeling that way too. So I don't know. It's a balance too of what we talked about previously, which is like, you know, keep looking, keep doing the work to try to find someone who you like and who is worth your time. Yeah. But also... Take the time for yourself. Mm-hmm. Make sure that you feel good about yourself and that you feel in a good headspace and that you're meeting all your needs and all that stuff. Yeah. I think a lot of times when you're approaching dating with fear, it feels like there's a lot higher expectations on things and your feelings are going to get a lot more hurt. And I understand why you would be approaching it that way. And also, like, men suck. So, men do suck. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Next, Sorry about that. Next question. Okay. Hi, lovely humans. I just want to thank you guys for creating this podcast. It has truly changed my perspective on so many things. One question. I have recently become more loving to my body. Good job. And I was dating a guy who was thinner than me when the possibility of sex came up. He said he wanted to, and I knew I wanted to, but I became very self-conscious. And every time I would look in the mirror, I would start to hate the parts I have been working on loving more. He's had sex with thinner girls and I've never had sex before. So I guess my question is, what do you do when you have a partner who's thinner than you and you're unsure how he will react to your body? Thanks again for doing this podcast and just being yourselves. If you like him and he's chill and he's a cool guy, then give him the chance to be good about it. And if he's not good about it, then you have your answer. I mean, 
I, as you dated people who were thinner than me before we dated, did you feel differently about having sex with me than about having sex with them? To be honest, that wasn't my focus. <laughs> exactly. Like, I think especially guys, it's like they're just going to be pumped to be with you when you're naked and be having sex. Am I wrong? Nope. Yeah. I would, I would say that's correct. And especially if it's someone who wants to have, they've said or intimated or made clear somehow that they want to have sex with you. They know what your body size is. Like your clothes cover you physically, but he's not, you're not going to take off your clothes and he'll be like, wait, what? Huh? Yeah. Like it's not, it's not a secret, you know? And so your body is not some sort of big surprise. It's just a human body. And um, if someone has sex with you, then they are very lucky to be in the room with you doing that with you. And that's probably how they're going to feel. Yeah. And I feel, I understand the like fear about that, but like 90% of the time, that's it. And also the fact that you've never had sex before is obviously going to make you like way more nervous about sure. what it is. But if he's like a good partner, then he'll be making sure that you feel safe. He'll be making sure you're comfortable and having a good time. And you're going to be much more focused on the experience because it's going to probably feel pretty intense the first time than than anything else. I think it'll be a lot less scary once you've gotten into it. If he's a decent guy and he's expressed interest, then that's like 90% of the, the work. Yeah. But to be clear, you didn't have any thoughts about me being like fatter than your previous girlfriends. You were just like, no. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think you would be dating me if that were the case. Okay. This person says, Hi, I'm Jared. I'm 19, and I never fucking learned how to read. I'm Jared. Could you read number 23 for the class? No, I cannot. What up? I'm Jared. I'm 19, and I never fucking learned how to read. Haha, <laughs> JK. I'm Hannah. And I'm 15. <laughs> Was that a reference to something? What the heck? What was that? Okay. I've never been bullied in my life for my weight by my friends, but I'm about to enter my sophomore year and I want a boyfriend. I know I don't need a boyfriend and I'm happy on my own and I think I'm attractive, but I was wondering if you ever had a decent high school boyfriend that appreciated you. I know I'll be able to get a man someday, but I was wondering if you ever had a boyfriend in high school. Thanks. This is so cute. Yes, I did. I had a very nice boyfriend in high school. His name was Jimmy. I was very different then and I'm sure he's different than he was now than he was then. Um, we sometimes text if there's like, I texted him after the 2016 election to make sure he didn't vote for Trump. And he was like, what do you think of me? And I was like, you're right. You're right. Sorry. I was just checking. <laughs> just want to make sure I didn't know anyone who had voted for Trump. I was also thinner in high school, but I was doing the thing where I thought I was very fat. I had a bad eating disorder and I was not thin, but I definitely was not anywhere near as fat as I am now. And I was chubby, I would say. I was a small fat. I mean, we started dating um, towards the end of my junior year. I invited him over to help me study for the AP history, the US history test. I had a type. Fucking nerds. <laughs> Can tell a good story, though. <laughs> yeah. And, um... Yeah, I don't know. He was a nice boyfriend. I think um, I've been very lucky in that I have not really had romantic relationship drama in my life. And I'm like almost the only person I know who's a woman or like non-binary person who that's the case for. I've dated two people. Victor and Jimmy, and they have both been very nice to me. So I agree that you're happy on your own and that you are attractive and you don't need a boyfriend. And if you find a high school boy that's worthy of spending your time with, I hope you have a great time together and use protection. Do you have anything to add? You had a high school girlfriend. I did have a high school girlfriend. We were both in theater. In fact, we met because I was cast as Theseus 
in A Midsummer Night's Dream. Mm-hmm. She was cast as Hippolyta. Ooh. And then we dated afterwards for a long time. Cute. Uh, yeah, just, uh, it's a fun thing. That's, I think, the most important thing about high school relationships, right? There are plenty of people who are high school sweethearts for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some for a lot of people, it's their first relationship. So it feels really super important. And mm-hmm. it can be super it important. It felt super intense for me. Um, but just remember, just remember that it's, you know, it's fun. It's yeah. just getting to learn how to date people, be around other people. Oh You're still learning about yourself and what you want and all that stuff. So, like, you know, just... Just be cool about it. Take care of yourself. High school love feels so intense. I remember, like, making out and feeling like literal fireworks. Just like, (sighs) like, I was, like, so dreamy about all of it. It was fun. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey family, welcome back to the show. It is producer Lynn here just to give a quick content warning. For this next question, the writer talks about their eating disorder. So Victor and Sophie will be discussing some ED stuff. If you want to skip that, take care of yourself, you can fast forward about five minutes. All right, here's the question. First of all, thank you for the podcast and for being amazing and positive and adding so much happiness to my commute. I have a question for you about eating disorders and relationships, and I would love to be anonymous. That is totally fine, H. I have a history of disordered eating and struggles with various eating disorders. I'm working really hard to heal and quiet my obsessive thoughts about food and exercise, but recently I'm finding myself projecting my anxieties about food and weight onto my significant other. I don't express these thoughts to him because I don't want to hurt his feelings, but I find myself internally judging his eating habits slash exercise habits slash body. I love him so much and I don't want the ED voice in my head to change the way I think about him, but it's really, really, really hard to keep my thoughts in check. Any advice would be appreciated. Thank you so, so, so much. Dang. That's hard. That does sound hard. Okay. Well, I don't think Vic, you don't have any history of disordered eating. Not that I'm aware of. I will say one thing, which is the fact that you're asking the question Mm -hmm. and that you're talking about your thought process Mm -hmm. without it becoming something that you've said to him or it's a like that's it's a really good thing yeah that's very fair but that's very positive and it says a lot about you and the importance of the relationship so i'm just recognizing that that's a really good point this is something that is really really good to take to a therapist ed stuff 
is really hard to work on by yourself. It's something that you need a community or at least a mental health professional to support you on. I think that this is stuff that's really hard. It's hard to work through stuff in your head, especially when the person who you maybe would go to to work this stuff out is your partner. I think it would be really helpful to have someone else to go to to talk about this stuff. But I do think that you could find a way to talk to him about it, but it wouldn't be like about the judgmental things or the things your eating disorder voice is telling you. It would be more like, hey, I'm really struggling with ED thoughts right now and I'm struggling with projecting some of them onto the people around me, including you. And if he's a loving partner, he'll be like, oh, dang, that sounds really hard. Like, how can I support you in that? I don't know if there's anything he could do to support you in that. It might just feel good to be able to externalize that process is happening. I agree with you that I don't think it would be helpful to like tell him what the thoughts are that would just be critical or come across as critical, even though it's ED voice and not really you. But I understand that happening. I think that that is a common experience, honestly, projecting that stuff onto the people around you with all ED stuff. At least for me, the step one is to forgive yourself for struggling with it. So I see in your letter, a lot of you struggling with the fact that you're having this struggle, just like a lot of fear about having these thoughts and a lot of fear about being hurtful with these thoughts. You're working really hard to quiet your obsessive thoughts. That's really hard to do if what you're doing is going like, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up to your brain. So I would recommend telling yourself, hey, self, wow, we're really struggling with these thoughts right now. That's really hard. That really sucks. And just recognizing that to yourself or saying, hey, self, we're working really hard on working on our ED thoughts and working on replacing these with different thought patterns. We're working really hard. And always remember, you can cut yourself some slack because everyone's struggling with something, which is neither to dismiss an eating disorder or to equivocate anything, right? But everyone is struggling with something at any point. So like you can give yourself... You can cut yourself some slack and say, it's okay that I'm struggling with this. Yeah, it's fine. fine. Especially since, like Victor said, you are reaching out for help before you take actions with this. So if you are writing and you were like, "Um, my eating disorder is really bad right now and I'm projecting all this off of my partner and I keep telling him he has to X, Y, and Z, how do I stop? I'd be like, whoa, that sounds like really, really hard and like a big deal. Um, This is obviously still a big deal, but I think you are probably much more afraid of the effects of what you're thinking than than there are effects of what you're thinking, except for on yourself. Um, But H, I really hope that that is at least comforting to you. And that really is something that is good to work through with a professional if you you have access to that. Um, You can also always find recovery Instagrams and communities via those Instagrams. We have a bunch of links in the um, resources page on our website for ED stuff. And I would recommend checking some of those out and getting some peer support on this stuff too, because nobody understands ED thoughts and struggling with those as well as someone else who's gone through the same thing. I feel you. I get you. You're okay. It's okay to forgive yourself. And it's all a process to be working on. So Victor and I would love to do another mailbag if you want to write in. I would love to talk more about like dating well fat, like in relationships, if there's any questions about that. I know that Victor's support of me has been really instrumental in feeling confident about myself. I also think that there's a lot of interesting stuff to talk about about that and about body positivity in relationships and when one of you is fat and the other person is not fat and dealing with families and dealing with just relationship issues in general. I'd love to get into it. What do you think? 
Sure. You, you down to record again? Sure. You going to say more than two words for every question? Nope. <laughs> okay. Do you have anything else to say to the family? I don't. Are you just making a joke about only saying two words? Yes. Victor, say something good. <laughs> say something good. Thanks for letting me into the space. Um, I hope that what I said was in, helpful for somebody. Um, if it's not, I apologize. <laughs> I think everyone whose questions we answered are good people and they're working, they're, they're doing their best, and I support them. Mm-hmm. I hope they're bad people. Wow. <laughs> Touche. Love you. I love you too. Okay, let's sign it off. Or is that it? Yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye. Hi, family. Victor and I got another question after we finished recording. So we're going to do this question on my travel mic. So we are recording a different time and we're going to sound a little different. But here we go. You ready, babe? Yes. What are you doing? You said we were going to sound a little different. Victor, what the fuck? That was funny. Was it? Yeah. Okay. Hi, Soph. My, she, her, partner, he, him, and I are both fat, and we just recently started working full-time after graduating college. We're both very tired a lot of the time, and he has been experiencing very little to no sex drive a lot of the time due to stress and a medication, i.e. he talked to a doctor and it didn't really go anywhere. Meanwhile, I have a pretty high sex drive, and while I masturbate pretty often, it sometimes takes a toll on my self-esteem when we don't have sex for weeks at a time, and he's just generally uninterested. We're monogamous, so finding sex elsewhere wouldn't work. I know he finds me attractive, and we have great sex together when we do, but do you have any tips for either us or me to kind of deal with this? Thanks a bunch. First of all, I totally understand that that might feel like a triggering situation, especially if you felt like rejected in the past for being fat. The good thing is that your partner is also fat, so I bet they have had the same fear. So you can talk about it. There's also a book I'm going to link in the show notes called Come As You Are, which is about different turn-ons and turn-offs and ways to talk about intimacy and people as partners approaching each other when they have different sex drives that might be helpful. And there's also a book called Perfectly Normal, something about living with low libido that might be helpful for you. But I also think it's like super normal for partners to have mismatched sex drives. And if you talk about it and communicate about it there's always a middle ground that you can find and it probably will make you feel good if you can talk about it and be reassured by your partner that he finds you attractive and all that kind of stuff and also I think it's important to keep in mind that if one partner's libido is higher or lower than the other person it doesn't really have much to do with the other person they're not less attracted to you if they have a lower libido than you do. Yeah, I don't know, working on finding a middle ground. There's like a lot of things that people kind of tease or make fun of that are actually really good tools like setting times for being intimate or finding ways that you can get intimacy into your lives without like full on what you might think of as sex. And but mostly just like every other problem in a couple this is all about like communication this is also an issue that if you are comfortable with this kind of thing it could be good to talk about with a couples therapist who could help you guide yourselves through the conversation if it feels like something that might be overly emotional or scary to do so that's our advice uh do you have anything else to add you want to tell them good luck good luck (laughs) and that's this time capsule episode 
Producing SAF in the past, present, and future is made possible by our beloved patrons. If you join our Patreon at Team Paisley Moo, you'll get access to our patrons-only Facebook group where I've been doing weekly live streams, plus bonus minisodes every Friday. I love our Patreon family. Special thanks to Catherine Gwynn, Colleen Goodlucy, Ruby Woods, Kristen Walker, Jennifer Gabrius, Mahala Miller, Sarah Best, Samantha, Gretchen Parkinson, and Maya. We could not make this show without you. She's All Fat was created by me, Sophie Carter-Khan, and April K. Quio, who graduated. We are an independent production. If you'd like to support the work we do, you can join our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash she's all fat pod. When you pledge to be a supporter, you'll get all sorts of goodies and extra content. Please make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's super important in making sure people find the show so we can grow the family. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to the stuff we mentioned today. And don't forget to send us your questions at FYI at she's all fat You can also leave us a voicemail at 213-375-5023 and we might even play it on the pod. Our episode ads are done in partnership with ACAST. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, you can get started at ACAST.com. Our theme music was composed and produced by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs. Our website was designed by Jesse Fish and our logo is by Hannah Sanger. Lynn Barbera co-produced and edited this episode. Yelly Cruz is our magical junior producer. Our thin crony forever is Maria Bertel. I'm our host and co-producer. Our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter handles are at She's All Fat Pod. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Stay safe. We love you. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.